G'day, I'm Scott Sanders and welcome to the Reach Australia podcast. The vision of Reach Australia is to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches. We want to see new churches launch and start and not only survive, but see evangelistic growth. We also want to see established churches become healthy, seeing lost people one for the first time and also seeing people spiritually mature and grow. One of the great initiatives that we've started over the last few years is the Reach Australia Development Program. We want to see theologically driven, spiritually vibrant, evangelistically urgent, practically skilled church leaders. And this two-year program is all about seeing all those outcomes. The program includes a comprehensive church consultation, monthly gospel coaching, and three leadership development intensives. To register your interest, go to reachaustralia.com.au. This episode is a recording from the 2021 Reach Australia National Conference. Yep, so we've been talking about discipleship through the whole church ecosystem, maturing people's not just the sermon, not just the one-to-ones, not just uh, the small groups. Uh, Raises the question, what about our gatherings? And so we've got two key things to bring. Number one, our gatherings are a deep inward activity. But number two, it matters what is caught as well as what's taught. Let me start with our gatherings. Are a deep in word activity. Now, I think we get this. This is us. We're the Bible guys. But it bears repeating because if we miss this one, we're not just in a rut. We're on the wrong road, aren't we? So our gatherings are around Jesus, and we gather around Jesus by gathering around his word. The word creates the church. Jesus is present in the church by the word. The word is the center of our gatherings. It ought to be the high point of our gatherings. Let me ask you, is the word read and preached the high point of your gatherings? Our prayers ought to be shaped by the Word. We enact the Word in communion, in baptism. We create space before and after our services and during our service for people to speak the Word to one another. Our teams, they read the Word before they serve on a Sunday morning and at rehearsals. Our teams are saturated in the Word. Our songs are soaked in the Word. They're they're true, they're rich. That's a hurdle that a song has to get over before we'll even consider singing it, no matter how good it is. The word even informs the phrases that we will use. We're careful with how we use the word worship. We were careful not to call the live stream church at our our church because a gathering is not the same as a TV show and church is a gathering. So I think we get those things. We get the way that the word shapes our services. I think we do those things. May we never forget those things. But Trevor, let's say we tick all those boxes. Is our work then done in the gathering space? Is Is the outcome of seeing people presented mature in Christ, is that achieved if we just pay attention to those things? I've heard you say you think one of our ruts is not necessarily those things. You've got to watch what's being caught. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you, if you talk, go down to Erin Affair, talk to your average guy or girl down there about what they believe in, what's important to them, it's pretty unlikely that they've been digging deep into French philosophy and have decided that postmodern structuralism is a belief set that sounds pretty good and so that's going to shape my life. Uh, It's very unlikely that that's happening. More likely, what they believe is what has been caught. Our cultural values are much more caught rather than taught. They're caught, uh, picked up via what you might say, cultural osmosis through our marketing and our media and and our mediums. Think about the impact of social media on our culture. And so the values that we have of individualism, of 
self-actualization of ex- experientialism are caught through our stories. They're caught through our songs. They're, they're caught through our social media. And so if we want to see churches that are deep in the word, if we want to see churches uh, mature and attain the whole fullness of Christ, we really need to be alert to the world's vision and values that our people swim in all the time, that they catch. And uh, these are the values that they'll be tossed to and fro, like Ephesians talks about. But in, in a similar way, in our gatherings, our churches are being formed both by what is taught and what is caught. The things, the things that we do as we gather and how we do them will either serve to confirm or contradict one another. And so often what is caught are the things that become calcified. They become our culture and you get this feedback cycle of, of what is caught by our people. And, and there's a danger, it's obviously, for our people that we can be sending these conflicting messages. Uh, for people who come into our community from outside, uh, what is caught by them will either serve to either affirm our authenticity or it will, it will set off their BS radar. They won't treat us seriously. And so this is happening in your gatherings It is happening whether you are intentional about it or not. People are catching things. And so we want to encourage you to be intentional about these things. So uh, give us some examples, mate. Yeah, I've got three examples and then Trev's got some stuff on music. Here's one, the welcome. You say in your sermon we've got to be inviting our friends that don't know Jesus to church. When you welcome people at your church, do you mention the friends who've been invited? Do you ever in your sermon mention those who don't believe that are with us today. So you can teach whatever you like, but you might actually be unintentionally catching teaching uh, that they're not really supposed to, they're not really expected to be bringing their friends to church. There's the welcome. Trev's talked to me about the transition after the service. We expect, we teach that the word is living and active, but it's possible that after the sermon, the next person that gets up is just in a different wavelength, a different tone, and they go, okay, the next, we've just heard amazing stuff from Gary on Isaiah 6. Not, this is not about this conference, and, and I'm not, sorry. <laughs> we've just heard an amazing sermon from someone different or something else. And, um, and the next person that gets up goes, all right, well, what we're going to do now is, well, hang on, have we expected, have we taught that we expect that something might have just happened for you in that time of hearing from God and his word? You might need time to process. You might need space to pray. So there's a tone of voice, there's a time, there's even giving guidance to, as we sing this song, bring those prayers to God. So there's the sermon handbrake, and that can teach and catch a a certain thing. Uh, Finally, our body language, the expressivity of those up the front. See, we've reacted rightly against emotionalism, and it can end up effectively discouraging any expressions of emotion in our gathering, and that can over time accumulate into something being caught that that emotions aren't really something that God cares about, that they're not really part of uh, the Christian life. And, um, you know, we can say in our sermons, no, 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 God loves emotions. It's okay to cry, to kneel down, to rejoice, to dance, to praise, to lift your hands. Say all that in the sermon. But if those up on the platform are motionless and seemingly emotionless, that's what's caught. 
Trevor, you've got stuff on music, though. Take us to that. Oh, You've you got an example? Yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, what... No, I thought you'd get into that now. No, I'll get, I'll get to Christ it later. In Christ alone. Yeah, I'll oh, get okay. to it later. <laughs> so scripted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's been caught right now? <laughs> <laughs> that we prepared. We yeah, love this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Look, we, it's important that we do talk about music because God has designed music to be catchy. It's one of the things that really is caught among us. We remember music. Um, you guys remember the song that we sang two years ago. I, I'm assuming you haven't remembered anything I said in my talk, and that's okay. Music is designed to be catchy. Which is why you spent longer on the song than the talk. Yeah, apologies for that. <laughs> but um, the content of what we sing is really important, and I think we've got eyes to that, but have you got eyes to the cumulative effect of the content of our lyrics. Um, as we look over our diet of what we're singing, what has been caught? Um, what eschatological bias is there? What, um, how do we shape people's understanding of the balance of hand-in-hand -hand God's imminence and transcendence? Do we have a preference? Do we have a lean there? Um, how do we understand our faith as more individualistic or corporate? The, the language of the songs that we're singing, will, it will teach, it will be caught as we sing them in our diet. Uh, our songbook is, is our church's doctrinal statements. They carry it with them because it's catchy. And so we must wisely shepherd what's taught and what's caught as we sing. We need to shepherd our churches to maturity through this. But I mean, it's not just the content of the lyrics, and this is where I want to push into a little bit more. Things will be caught by the music that underpins the lyrics, and it will be caught by the way that we play that music. So uh, you may have heard it said that there's no such thing as Christian music. Uh, and that was a helpful little nugget of contextualisation when, when fights are being having about, you know, what is church music... There's no such thing. There's no sacred form of music. But we've overextended that to now hear that music doesn't matter. All that matters is you've got the right lyrics there. The music doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just as long as the lyrics are right. So I just thought I'd say, you, you tell me whether the music matters or not. Let's do some. I am a sinner, your blameless Lord. My sin against you can't be ignored. Come on now. They will be punished. I know they must. <laughs> you got it, don't you? I don't have to do any more. And you kind of think it's, that's an exaggeration, but sometimes not much. Not too, <laughs> no. not too much. The music matters. Look, God has given us, uh, uh, Colossians 3.16 is a really helpful text. I, I um, hope you've dwelled in that a little bit. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It's a way that God has given us for his word to dwell among us richly. It's, it helps us express gospel truths in a more holistic way. So there's an example of how it doesn't help. Um, it helps align our convictions and our cares Song can give a vehicle for the emotions that should attend to those truths. But also music can help us perceive truth in a more holistic way. Now, I'm going to... This sounds dodgy. Say it again. 
Yeah. <laughs> music can help us perceive truth in a more holistic way. I hope you've got a Puritan to back yeah, this up. Yeah, I've got a Puritan. Okay. Um, here's how Jonathan Edwards says it. <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, I'm with you. Listen. The duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed holy to excite and express religious affection. See what he's saying there? No other reason can be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and to do it with music, but only that it's such as our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. Now, I'm going to skip the next quote because we're running out of time here, but I want to... um, That's such a good one. It's such a good one. Ask me later. I want to give you an example of that. Um, I think um, the, the Dustin Kendrew song, Rejoice, I don't know if you know this one. This is a brilliant example of where the music can help us perceive uh, truth in a new way. Um, the first two choruses uh, celebrate the goodness of God. And we get to the chorus and we sing, Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice it's a it's a lovely declaration of joy and then we get to the third verse and the third verse goes into a different season all our sickness all our sorrows Jesus carried up the hill he has walked this path before us he is walking with us still turning tragedy to triumph turning agony to praise There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice. That's a different kind of rejoicing, isn't it? And it helps us perceive the truth of God with us in all season. And we can have joy in that moment knowing he's with us. Can you see how the music matters? And cumulatively, music helps shape us. Uh, it's, it's a tool where we can take our emotions to the gym. Uh, we, can, we can work out and train and go through the motions. And I use that term correctly because we sometimes think that's bad. But we go through the motions so that we're ready for match day, that we strengthen those emotional muscles and capacity so we're ready for those seasons. We've rehearsed Christ-like responses. So as we plan and lead a service, we have our congregation's feelings and emotions in our hands. We, we do shape them uh, intentionally or otherwise. And so we can disregard this. We can manipulate them. That's also not a good option. <laughs> or we need to think intentionally about how we guide people towards faithful feelings if we want to grow people who are grown into maturity in Christ. It's really good. Yeah. I'm sad we cut that quote. Yeah. I'm going to go to you it. You go to it, mate. All right. <laughs> we'll get it. It's from uh, Zach Hicks. Uh, I'll start with a bit that's not on the slide and then we'll get the slide. Our emotions express our desires and enable us to know and experience truth more completely. I can choose by intellectual assent to love my wife, but my love for her is deepened and fulfilled when I don't just assent to it, but I feel it. I can acknowledge conceptually that my sin offends God and violates our covenant relationship, but my understanding is more complete when tears are streaming down my faith and my heart is aching in contrition. You've got the quote quote for the slide. 
This is not to say that emotions understand more truth than our minds do or are better than intellectual understanding. They complement and complete one another. Our emotions help us know and experience truth more fully and deeply. Emotions help us see the truth in the best light for what it really is. Talking about how, our, how the word dwells richly among us. Give you a couple more quick examples. I wonder if you've noticed something the last few days. Trevor, as he leads the songs, he fumbles for his physical Bible. Now, it's not an accident that it's a physical Bible, and it may not even be an accident that he fumbles. No. See, there's something... Yeah, no, he, everything he does is, <laughs> is smooth normally, but to draw attention to the fact that this is the Bible, it's not just a meme he saw on social media. He's not checking Twitter. He could read it off his phone. He deliberately doesn't because it's teaching. There's something caught. If you're going to read the Bible from your phone, yeah, this is a posture that our culture is familiar with, but it's not often reading your Bible. It's so often giving an offering to other <laughs> gods, isn't it? So, so I'll, I'll discourage you from reading it. Definitely don't read like this, okay? That says something else. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we, but can you see? It, something is caught. We, we tell our Bible readers in our services, bring a physical Bible. Yeah. It's a culture-building piece that everyone has a Bible. They use it. We love our Bibles. Uh, prayer, when we, when we pray, what's instructive is the content, but also the manner. Because we get a chance to see a person in their relationship with their Father God. Uh, Trevor's picked up that, you know, we often say, um, how about I pray? Four or five times in a service, how about I pray? What about instead, uh, we really need God's help with this, let's pray. What does that do to our culture? What's caught from that? How we use lighting the fluoro work lights that are the same as what I use at, at work on Monday when I exchange information that communicates. Mm. Uh, mood lighting, which we use for a dinner party, says something about that setting. Too dim, that says something else. That says something about a performance, private thing. All these things are communicated. We might be unintentionally bringing in something from a theology we don't agree with there. But likewise, you, know, you might actually need to turn it down a bit to, to help people, then turn it up a bit to help people learn something else. There's, there's lots caught, and this means we need to be paying attention. Yeah, so hopefully that's the takeaway you want. It matters what's being caught as well as what is taught, and we need to be making sure and giving attention to have, making sure those things align, that what is caught uh, confirms rather than contradicts what we're trying to teach. And so, without eyes to this, we're going to run the risk of um, having our people formed by what they're catching uh, in our culture, or formed by reaction to things, or, or a, a calcified culture from another generation. So, because this is happening in your gatherings, and it is happening in your churches, I want to encourage you to think wisely about how we can shepherd, how we can have an eyes open to it, and how we intentionally nurture the means and moments that God has given us to make much of him. And so I just want to finish now with a, a, a quote. There was a, a lady a few years ago who visited our church, and she was already blogging, and we... Not a Christian lady. Not a Christian lady. At the time. She came to visit, and she was blogging, and she blogged this experience, and I want you to hear what she had to say. She, she had six observations from my first time at church. Um, I'm going to read two of them. So number three, she said, there's a lot of singing... 
I expected the service to be passive. One person up the front talking to us, punctuated with a hymn or two. Rather, the service opened with three songs. The band pumped, and the people got into it. They showed emotion, like they'd raise an arm or two while singing loudly. Or do this little foot move when a lyric particularly resonated. I like the foot move. <laughs> she said, I stared. My past experience of singing in church was not boppy. It was standing straight and still with my nose in a hymn book, singing, i.e. miming, lyrics of which I understood none. This was the complete opposite. I stared some more. And after a few other observations, she says, this is number six, I hardly remember what is said, but I'll never forget how I felt. Walking back to the car, someone asked me how, what I thought. I felt like bursting into tears. I felt so overwhelmed and confused by what I just experienced. I didn't have the clarity to express myself. The ride home was a, a little bit strange. This was a place where I couldn't be anonymous and call my own shots, where I felt vulnerable, emotional and exposed. Yet I wanted this to be my new normal, even the singing. I wanted the difficult, beautiful truth. I wanted this family and I couldn't wait to go back. Is what is being caught in your gatherings confirming what is being taught so that we might present everyone mature in Christ? Well, Herdy, over to you. You've been listening to the Reach Australia podcast. All through September and October, we'll be releasing the talks from the 2021 Reach Australia National Conference. Registrations are now open for the 2022 Reach Australia Conference. It'll be held at EV Church on New South Wales Central Coast from the 16th to the 19th of May, 2022. Get your discounted early bird tickets now at reachaustralia.com.au.